Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, Mr. Christopher Colon. Dr. Colon, how in the hell are you, my friend? Hello, Sam. Good to see you, sir. I'm very well. It is uh, free agency is in full gear. We are about a month away from the NFL draft. Uh, off season's kind of over. Like I'm, I'm done. It, it, there's news. There's stuff going on at all times, and I'm lucky enough to be working from home right now. Um, if you haven't been listening before, I was essential and was working in a bank for the last year and the last couple months, maybe month. Yeah, February, early February, working from home. So it's nice to have the NFL Network on the background. It's just news constantly. I'm in a good place, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. I think I'm doing better than you because uh, right before we wow. went on the air, you told me about, um, you know, you, as everybody knows, you are a football coach and practice was canceled. And why was practice canceled, Chris? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite movies from the 90s, uh, Twister. Uh, my area is in a uh, put it this way. They knew this was coming like tornadoes are normally uh, kind of quick, not like hurricanes with predictability. They knew the cell was coming. They literally forced all kids to be remote learning only today, last night. So they made that call. They knew it was coming. And then my uh, Apple Watch and iPhone go crazy around 4.30 with a tornado warning until 5.30. And the athletic director canceled everything. So no practice today for football, for any sport, uh, softball, football, any age level. And we have our first game Saturday. So we're going to try to squeeze something in tomorrow. But, man, playing football in the winter slash spring is crazy weather-wise. I just – I don't know. I mean, you can't really tell context, you know, in a text, right? But you you basically said uh, practice moved to tomorrow due to tornadoes. And I was just like, it, it was like so like, oh, yeah, there's a dead thing in the road. So we have to take a different road to get there. It was right. just so matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, we have tornadoes, so we can't do practice. And it was just it's like your everyday life. And I'm like, what the fuck, tornadoes? What? No. Well, and that's, a, and that's the thing. It's not everyday life. The last time we had uh, any kind of like tornado activity was four to five years ago and super destructive. So it's, it's weird living in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina area and coming from South Florida where like all these houses are coded to be prepared for hurricanes and things like that. People lose their fucking minds here in North Carolina for any kind of weather. Their biggest hurricane they've ever had was like Hugo in the eighties. And I think it was a category one, like in Florida, they have parties for that. Like it's just North Carolina is not built to sustain it. We have one salt truck, for snow so like if it even like is close to being cold the next day and there's precipitation in the air uh they will close everything there's been days where work is canceled school is canceled and it's like 40 and sunny because rain didn't come and there's not ice on the roads because they were just not prepared for it Uh, which makes sense because they're kind of like right in the middle it kind of snows here kind of doesn't it's dusty weather's weird it's nice it's not like consistent thunderstorms hurricanes were more inland so they don't have the preparation for it. why waste the money on it but every once in a while it shows up 
and they're not prepared, everything shuts down. I mean, it seems to me somebody should, there could make a killing if they just bought a second salt truck and a snowplow and just had it handy. For we like need to take half of Miami Dolphins fans during the free agency period, and there's enough salt there to cover the entire oh. fucking roadways and entire state of North Carolina. I was wondering how we were going to transition away from weather talk to I'm a professional, sir. I'm a professional, sir. And you took the old salt from Miami Dolphins fans. Salt twist. Bay, right? little bit. I like it. I like it. Well, let's do it, man. We're doing there. So we are still trying to fix the O-line, but free agency is happening. We are in officially day two. We're doing this on Thursday, March 18th. Uh, Thank God we didn't do it yesterday, Chris, because the Miami Dolphins didn't do a whole heck of a lot. So everybody who was like ready, chomping at the bit to have all this breaking news just kind of had to sit there twiddling their thumbs. Uh, But we have a little bit more today and i think when you look back at this chris and everyone's a lot of people are thinking the miami dolphins haven't done a lot when i start to look at this chris look we're going to get into the individual people here but the miami dolphins have signed 10 people and they've traded for two more that's 12 people on a 53-man roster they have turned over their roster by 20 percent at this point and this is them saying and Miami Dolphins fans everywhere are saying they didn't do anything. The citizens of Perfectville are out there pulling their hair out, you know, lighting things on fire because the Miami Dolphins haven't gone out and signed the world. But I don't know. It's a 10 and 6 team, and you've turned over 20% of your roster. You've filled the needs. We're going to get into those that you needed to fill in free agency. And oh, by the way, we have the draft coming up. So I don't know. I, as I start to look at this, I can see maybe in a vacuum that this isn't, uh, you know, they haven't done a lot. But when you really start to look at this, Chris, and you break it down like we're about to, I think they've done – a decent amount here. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's kind of weird. It, I, I don't know what it is because I've actually been caught in this. If you look back at my Twitter right now, you'll probably see me tweeting about being bored or like falling asleep because we haven't done much like yesterday. Um, I think with the influx of news, when this uh, whole tampering thing started on Monday, we went into it way too overexcited. Uh, if you listen to our head coach, Brian Flores, he literally in his news conference last week said, you don't always get what you want. Like we're you pay attention, like pay attention to Brian Flores. He has never not like told the truth. Like this isn't like a guy that's like said something and he's like, oh, it's complete opposite. This guy's full of shit. He's just fucking honest as hell. He's straight up. Basically, wink, wink was like, guys, we're calm down. Like Monday is not going to show up and like just blow your house off. I was sitting at home. I actually tweeted about it. I'm like, all I'm seeing is New England Patriots talk. Well, that's because they spent the most money. They, they just like threw Bill Belichick took Robert Kraft's. He found a safe of money and just like made it rain over the country to all these free agents. And I, I have a feeling this is his retirement plan. He's like, dude, like I'm out in less than uh, three years or less. I don't care about the fa- franchise's future. Fuck it. Let's go Cam Newton, maybe draft Mac Jones. And I'm just going to go throw money to Jonu Smith, to Hunter Henry, to all these guys and uh, see if it works because God damn it, Tom Brady won a ring without me and I can't go out like that. And Dolphins fans were like, hey, well, we're not in the news. We're not doing anything. Meanwhile, we're kind of doing these smart things. These one, three year, one to three year deals under $10 million, nice depth, you know, added. Uh, guys like, you know, a backup corner, a, a running back. That's, that's a hard nosed goal line running back that we need um, a defensive tackle that has caused problems that has a lot of familiarity with Flores. Um, I don't mind what we've done at all. And we'll get into it. I'm sure. Of course we will. Uh, we did have that little, that big splash a little bit earlier before we went on the air, Sam. So it, it, it's everything you kind of want. We've always spent big and we always win eight to nine games. So let's do something different. 
Yeah, and it, and it's these little things, these little you know back end, middle of the road roster moves that you that make you better. It gets you from a yes. ten win team to an eleven win team. And guess what? If we were an eleven win team last year, we would have been in the playoffs. So yes, I do think some of these moves are significant, even if they don't make you you know blow blow your skirt up or anything like that. But let's talk about the offensive line because originally we were going to talk about the offensive line. So let's talk about the offensive line in twenty twenty real quick, and we'll talk about some of the free agents and trades that have happened so far to fix the offensive line, at least where we think it needs fixing. And then we'll just roll right into the rest of free agency here. So as we know, in 2020, the Miami Dolphins spent a lot of draft capital on the offensive line. We spent a first round pick on Austin Jackson, who is our new left tackle. Uh, We also got Solomon Kinley out of Georgia and uh, Robert, I'm sorry, Robert Hunt out of Georgia and Solomon Kinley out of, I don't know, the depths of hell. That guy's just like a, like a ground monster. I don't know where he comes. I think you had it right. The first time I think Solomon Kinley's from Georgia. Fine. Then the citizens of Perfectville just ignore everything. I said, I was right. The first time. That's why I'm here. I'm a doctor. Listen, it's fine. Well, then Robert Hunt came from wherever the fuck he came from. And Buffalo or Memphis or some shit. Yeah, some some horrible, horrible place. But (laughs) the point of it is they spent a lot of money on the offensive line and they spent a lot of draft capital on the offensive line. Let's let us not forget that we also spent good money on Eric Flowers last year uh, as a free agent left guard. So we spent a ton of time and Ted Karras, the center who is now back with the New England Patriots, but spent one year as the center here. So we spent uh, a lot of time, energy, money and draft capital revamping the entire offensive line last year and it showed Chris because if you look at this line I think everybody would agree it was not perfect um, but it has a lot of potential especially the young people that we're talking about like the Robert Hunts like the Solomon Kinleys like the Austin Jacksons Uh, you paired them with with veterans like Eric Flowers and Ted Karras and all of a sudden you have this recipe where they could block long enough for us to be functional on offense but you could also see that when they, they are going to need some help and whether that help comes from them just spending more time together, or if you need a new veteran to come in there and just kind of anchor that line, whatever the case may be. Um, that's my overall take of the offensive line in 2020, very young, very talent, talented. Um, and then the P word that gets a lot of people fired, lots of potential for the future. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Here's the best way I can explain the offensive line that we saw in 2020 with a lot of young guys. They didn't make me throw my beer at the TV. Like back in the day with Dallas Thomas and, uh, you know, Billy Turner. Oh, sorry. I get, I literally get nauseous when I say their names. Um, and I just picture roller skates for some reason, just some skating all the time and <laughs> Ryan Tannehill pissing blood. But yeah, I, I don't throw my beer at the TV with these guys, which is a, which is a good thing. It's an upgrade. They also aren't blowing people's faces off like you'd want to see. And like what these top 11, 12 win teams are, are doing. Again, we've said this ad nauseum. On the show, I hate watching Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, uh, these quarterbacks, Tom Brady, stand there with like eight seconds in the fucking pocket, able to go through their fifth to sixth progression and find the open guy or let the receiver beat somebody because a guy can only co- cover for so much uh, for so long of a period. And then eventually they, uh, they, they find the open guy. I want to see that for us. And yes, they didn't suck badly and they weren't amazing but there's like three really young guys that played the majority of the season and all we have to do is upgrade and and everybody's worried about the the free agency period we didn't get andrews we didn't get hudson uh from the raiders um we have you you mentioned it sam we have a draft we have a draft we have a lot of picks there's still free agency to go there's still guys out there and trades can happen like everybody needs to chill out 
step from the ledge when it comes to the offensive line. I think we're on the right path. Eric flowers did okay at guard. Austin Jackson wasn't talked about a lot. I think we mentioned it before, or I did. Um, I didn't hear his name in good or bad ways. It wasn't like, Oh, there's Austin Jackson again, getting beat and giving up a sack, but we also didn't hear him, you know, pancaking everybody and railroading guys. So, but they're young. The rookies, they got to gel. You mentioned it. They got to just stay together a little bit longer and get some chemistry. We're doing the right thing by building young, getting these monsters in there. And you didn't even mention yet. Cause you will, uh, but I'll go ahead and say it. Isaiah Wilson, if he plans out, we talked about this last week, this could end up being literally the new like five bullies of the NFL that are just out there gigantic and they're going to hurt you. Yeah. And the thing about this too, that we, we really need to understand is that the Miami dolphins under the Brian Flores era, we're going into year three. This will be our fourth offensive line coach going into year three in the Brian Flores era, Lemuel Jean-Pierre, who I think was our assistant O-line coach last year. He's now our offensive line coach now. Uh, That is one area that I think we do need to figure out is, okay, what is the scheme? What is the culture for the offensive line room? What are we looking for? And I think you hit it right on the head. When you start to look at how we're building this line, they're all maulers. I mean, these these aren't zone blocking, you know, tacticians here. These are people that are going to hit you in the face, push you down on the ground, and then push your face into the mud. And then hopefully the running back or somebody's running over the top of them at that point i mean you are talking about big mean men and that's what they're looking to do that's what they're looking to build and if they can make that happen if they can get their technique down and they can stay healthy which is a key as well i mean austin jackson did miss some time his rookie season because of injuries we did lose some people because of covid so if you look at how the miami dolphins are building this they have a lot of depth they have a lot of very good to possibly great down the road players but they have a lot of them and they're versatile. You have centers who can be guards. You have guards who could be tackles. You have left tackles who could be right tackles, so on and so forth. So that they can actually pick up and move these pieces around and hopefully, hopefully not lose too much in doing that. You want a lot of continuity on the line. I think uh, everybody would agree with that, but you also need people who are going to be versatile in today's NFL at every single position. I mean, you have running backs who are lining up as running as uh, wide receivers and tight ends who are lining up as running backs, so on and so forth. You have quarterbacks that are RPO, you know, running backs now. So you need versatility across all of the line. And I think the Miami Dolphins are looking to do that with their offensive line as well. So when you look at these guys, they're young, they're strong. I mean, they're not just big fatsos. They're big, strong guys uh, who look like they could actually work together and, and gel cohesively at a young age. They're all very young. And then just build, you know, just keep those three, four, five guys as your core, you know, get, get a couple of guys that you could slide in as your sixth and seventh offensive line and just let them grow together like the Dallas Cowboy offensive line in the 90s or something like that. I think that's the strategy here, knowing there's going to be growing pains, um, but it's not perfect. Uh, like we said, um, you know, I, I think Robert Hunt late in the year, Chris, he he did really well the last three or four yes. games. If you look at everything, uh, they were starting to come on. These guys didn't have a training camp. They, you know, they didn't have a lot of practice time. They didn't have a preseason. We're going to get that this year. And I think you're going to see a vast improvement year over year with the same guys that are still here. So I'm actually uh, pretty bullish when it comes to the offensive line in general. I think they laid the foundation last year, and they're just going to keep adding clay to that model from here on forward. So I think they like their plan. Uh, If we could figure out if we can have an offensive line longer than eight months, offensive line coach longer than eight months for once, that would be good so that we can start to understand what that culture is going to be and what that coach is going to be. But overall, I, I, I don't know if I had to give them a grade. C plus I was okay with it. They didn't really, you know, they weren't great at pass blocking. They weren't great at run blocking, but they did enough to get by. 
And I think they're only going to get better from there. Here's the thing that no one's talking about. And Sam, you kind of alluded to it is that if I told you in the preseason that we're going to start in the majority of our five man line, three of them rookies, and we're going to win 10 games. First of all, you'd call me an idiot and that's not ever going to happen. And second of all, you take it a hundred out of a hundred times, Sam, all anyone talks about when it comes to a receiver a running back a quarterback especially is the biggest jump from their career goes from year one to year two we have three out of five guys on this offensive line possibly four if isaiah wilson is also going to start for us that was a rookie last year that are going to go that big jump from year one to year two if we could even count on them to progress averagely averagely not over average or like crazy averagely from year one to year two, you can already take to the bank that our offensive line is going to be better and by better by a lot, because there's the majority rules three out of five of them, possibly four are going to be those guys transitioning from year one to year two. They know what it's like to be a professional. They get that preseason. They get that training camp. They are now more cohesive. They understand the philosophy of Brian Flores and the team and what they want. They already know what it's like to play with Tua. And that's where I was always wanting Tua to get reps because it's not just him. It's everybody. They learn his cadence. They learn what he reads. They, 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 they just have a feel for the guy behind them. All those things coming in together, Sam, point two. A 10-win team taking a now sophomore season of three, possibly four linemen and a quarterback going into year two, and the the the, the world is their oyster. They could do anything, and, and if they just get averagely better, like just par, par for the course for a year one to year two NFL football player, we're looking at a team that uh, one of our free agent signings said today has championship potential. Well, let's, just, let's just talk about the free agency uh, um pieces that we've added when you get to the offensive line and the trade. We talked about Isaiah Wilson last episode. Uh, that was when the trade was just fresh. It is now official. Isaiah Wilson is now a member of the Miami Dolphins coming over from the Tennessee Titans, a first round draft pick last year. So when you think about the 2020 draft, the Miami Dolphins now have four of the first round draft picks from that, from that draft class. Isaiah Wilson was somebody they were very, very high on. Chris, like we talked about, he played at Georgia. He's got his old running mate from Georgia on the line with him. He went to the same high school as Brian Flores. What does that mean? Well, it means there's a lot of connections there because nobody is questioning Isaiah Wilson's ability. The only thing that's been questioning is his attitude and his mentality. Uh, He needs to get his head on straight. Number one, number two, the Miami Dolphins bought really, really low when it comes to Isaiah Wilson. I think we swapped trade uh, late round draft picks with the Titans one this year for one next year. Yeah. Seventh Um, rounders. Nothing. Yeah, so if he doesn't pan out, then you just walk away from him and you say, sorry, it didn't work out. We gave you a shot. It's clear that your head isn't in the game. We're going to move on. So this is a very, very you know, um, high reward, low risk sort of trade for the Miami Dolphins. Very shrewd by Chris Greer and company. I love it because I don't think we're, it's going to cost us anything if it doesn't work out. So I like Isaiah Wilson. He's another young guy, big, strong man that you can put on the line with Hunt and Kinley and Austin Jackson, and then hopefully they can develop together as some sort of cohesive unit. The other portion of this, Chris, this is something that you and I talked about via text, and it's been all over Twitter. It's been all over Reddit. It's been all over everything. The Miami Dolphins have to get a center. They must get a center. And what's funny about this, Chris, is if you go back to our free agency frenzy last season, 
you and I talked about all the free agents that the Miami Dolphins came up with. And we talked about who was going to be here long-term, who was going to be the guy that was going to be like the stud when we go back and go, that guy was a good signing and he's a Miami Dolphin. And we talked about who would be here for maybe a year, maybe not make a big impact. Uh, you probably don't remember this, but I went back and looked. And um, our long-term signing that we both thought was like, man, that is going to be the guy was Kyle Van Oy. So oops, our bad. That didn't really quite work out. <laughs> But the yeah, short fuck term, us for four, four, four year contract, fuck us for thinking that yeah. we're going to keep this guy <laughs> like Jesus. Yeah, this is crazy. He actually went back to the New England Patriots, if you guys don't really know that. And the New England Patriots got a fourth round compensatory pick for him going to us last year. So <laughs> got like, him he back. Does, He's going to kill us back. this year. It's crazy. And he took Devon Gauchow and he took uh, 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 Ted Karras back with him as well. So Ted Karras, who was our starting center last year, one of the leaders on the line, you know, talent wise was OK, but. He, he, you, the clip that reminds me is Tua's first start and Tua going to Ted and saying on the sidelines and saying, we need to do better. And Ted Karras is like, it's the first half of your first start. We're doing just fine. We're winning. We're going to get better. And you could tell it was like a motivational pump up. Come on, Tua, don't worry about it. That's a good thing to have when you're the center. But Ted Karras left. He went back to New England. And in his place, the Miami Dolphins got Matt Skura. Right. Isn't that how? Yeah, we got Matt Skura, center for the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. Um, A lot of people are looking at this going, this isn't the guy that we wanted. We wanted, uh, you know, the the center from the New England Patriots. We wanted, you know, Hudson from the Raiders. We wanted all these guys. We didn't get them. Well, you know what? Matt Skura is a pretty damn good center, Chris. We were in the market for a center. We went out and got one who was a pro bowler in 2019. You know, this guy knows what he's doing. He's top five in run blocking, top 10 in pass blocking, or maybe it's the other way around. Either way, he is a top 10 pass blocking, run blocking center. You know how many penalties he had on him? Three. And two of them were false starts. So he only had one procedural penalty where he was actually holding, I guess is where I'm going at, or illegal hands to the face or whatever the penalty was. He only had three penalties. He only gave up one sack. This guy knows what he's doing when he's in the game. Now, the reason why he's a free agent and the reason why people are thinking, ooh, I don't know about him, is because he had a lot of problems in the, in the pistol formation where he's snapping the ball over Lamar Jackson's head. He had two games in a row where he just got the bugaboos and was just throwing this thing over Lamar Jackson's head, and he got benched. Okay, That is a problem. That is 100% a problem. But there's something that people need to understand. In 2019, Matt Skura tore his MCL, PCL, and ACL in his left knee. He came back, never missed a game after yeah, in 2020. He was back by training camp or you know whatever they had practice. He came back way too early. And I do think he put so much pressure on himself to come back and rehab that maybe something went wrong when it came to snapping the ball because he didn't practice that as much as he's rehabbing his body. That's a very real possibility coming back too early. He's now a year removed from those uh, surgeries and those injuries. Uh, he did get benched because of the poor snaps. He's going to come here and hopefully work on that. And if he can get that right, Chris, because you do need to get that right, you now have a 27-year-old center who is top 10 in pass blocking and run blocking and doesn't get the flag thrown on him. What does that remind you of? Is that not a Brian Flores guy right there? Not penalized, does the fundamentals correctly. Well, and then you mentioned it too when it came to uh, Ted which who's named Ted in 2021 um, that's not like six years old, but Ted Karras uh, was that veteran leadership on the sideline where Tua felt like he had to go to him and apologize and say, Hey, look, I can play better. I'm sorry. I'm not. And he's like, Hey, calm down. Like we needed that. 
we just talked about all the rookies that we have. We need this guy. We need a guy to step up and be an older, which isn't old at all, 27 years old, um, but older than those guys, to be there, be that anchor, exactly where you want him to be, the center. And uh, if he had problems over the head at the pistol, then um, you know they should be fine in the shotgun with Tua, um, and he's going to get it down. The only problem I have is Sam, and you kind of you went real like, like, man, this guy's good. Here's his numbers. I was so ready to call him the Chuck Nob block of centers um but uh you know if he can fix it if he can fix that it's fine he's he's 100 healthy uh hopefully he's better than ted karras and if he is uh again this fits into everything i was just talking about that progression if he's just even better than ted karras and those guys are already progressing uh we finally might have ourselves oh, an offensive line sam yeah, and again, look, this doesn't preclude us from actually spending draft capital on a center. I mean, I, I know everybody's looking at uh, uh, what's his name, Creed Humphreys from uh, yeah. Oklahoma or whatever. Yeah, we could go get him. This doesn't stop us. We also have Michael Dieter, Dieter. I still don't know how to say that guy's name. You know, he's there. Jesse Davis. Can we get anybody with a normal name, please? No. Jesse Davis is our saving grace. We have to keep him forever. Yeah, and then some somebody somewhere, some beat writers going to still mess up that as well. But you know, the thing is, it this doesn't preclude us from still investing in the offensive line. But I want everybody to take a look at this again. Pull the lens back and look what the Miami Dolphins have done for the offensive line in just the last twelve months. Three, three high draft picks in twenty twenty. Uh, a pretty big free agent signing in Eric Flowers. Ted Karras was a Band-Aid. We now have ripped that Band-Aid off, and now we have Matt Skura, who's yet another Band-Aid. A Pro Bowl center just two years ago. A guy who tore his knee to shreds and worked really, really hard to get back. A guy who still pass blocks like a champ, run blocks like a champ, and doesn't get penalized for it. Yeah, he has an issue. That's why he was a free agent. He was snapping the ball, you know, badly. But you got to fix that. If he can get over those yips, we have ourselves a gold mine in terms of an anchor for this line here, Chris. I think it's a very shrewd move by Chris Greer. I think Brian Flores uh, got gets a guy on his line that he knows that he can count on. This is not a guy who's going to be running to the TNT wall very often. Uh, he might snap the ball to the TNT wall, but he's not <laughs> going to run to the TNT wall very often because this guy does what Brian Flores wants, which is to play fundamental football. You know, run block, pass, catch, tackle. That's it. That's what he wants. You do all those things, you win 10 games, whether you have talent or not. That's just the, that's just the math. And this guy does that. So I love it. I actually think it's a great pick for the Miami Dolphins. When you look at everything they're doing, you know, again, doing this rebuild, they're using draft picks, they're using trades, they're using free agencies to build this line. They're using all the tricks in their back. Brian Flores isn't stupid. He knows football is one in the trenches and he really puts a keen interest into the defense and offensive line. And I like to see that uh, he knows that for the quarterback to make his reads and to be the most successful, he needs time to throw. And for our running backs to have uh, more than hundred yards, more than you know six years apart, that you have to have an offensive line that can block for him. Uh, so I like to see that they're putting their interest and their um, resources into these positions. One thing I like too about free agency as we're sticking to that right now and kind of keeping that on offensive line is we're doing a cool thing where I, I where it's smart money wise. Um, where we're, we're keeping low years uh, as far as terms go in the contracts. And a lot of that might be the players wanting to bet on themselves. Uh, but also the NFL just announced today that they just signed a gigantic multi-billion dollar TV deal with ESPN now in the, in the mix as far as Super Bowls go and streaming and the Amazon. Uh, the salary cap's only going to go up and go up by a lot. And we're sitting there right now. We're not blowing all our money. We're signing a, a lot of these guys to one, two-year contracts. And that keeps them in-house, gives us an opportunity if they're performing to the level that Brian Flores wants at practice, at training camp, and games, that we can get them to the negotiating table and extend them in the middle or end of the season before they even get the free agency. Um, 
And that's the best way to do this, especially when you're not able to have in-person visits. You're not able to go to like, you know, pro days and, and, and uh, workouts and have free agencies visit and things like that. You get them in for one year during the pandemic. Hope everybody gets vaccinated. The salary cap goes up. You have them in your your, your locker room for an entire year. I mean, it's a, it's literally an entire season interview process. And if, you know, Will Fuller or like uh, the center that we brought in from the Ravens or the defensive tackle from the, the, the Patriots, Malcolm Brown from the Rams, you got all these guys in you're like, hey, man, we need these guys on our roster for the next five years. You sit them down. You know the salary cap's going up. You've had the opportunity to actually see them work, see that body of work, see them work out, see them with their teammates, the chemistry, uh, the work ethic. If they're there first, out last, things like that, you get that front row and personal, and then, boom, you can make the extension without hurting our cap currently because it's only a short-term contract. Yeah, and you know another just one other guy on the offensive line that we signed actually re-signed. He was a restricted free agent, Mr. Adam Pankey. I mean, how we didn't lead with Adam Pankey coming back to the Miami Dolphins in 2021. But look, free agent signings that we kept in house, people that we traded for, people that were signing away again, Pro Bowl center from 2019. That was two years ago. He's 27, coming off of a devastating knee injury. I'm going to give the guy a break. I actually think this is going to be one of those value signings that we're going to look back on and go, this was really well done. And you're right. A lot of these are short-term deals, one year, two year. You know, salary cap went down. A lot of these players are not getting the money that they thought they were going to get, and they're going to have to settle on a prove-it-year deal and then come back out. It was funny. I was looking at the Chris Godwin. We all knew that he was going to be franchise tagged. I think he looked at the market for wide receivers this this week, Chris, and went, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sign that tender because he just signed the tender yeah. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because people are just not getting money for wide receivers, running backs. It's all, you know, it's just not there. Um, but before we talk about wide receivers, before we talk about running backs, because the Miami Dolphins have made some moves there, uh, I do want to talk about another um, big, big free agent signing here uh, for the Miami Dolphins. And of course, I'm talking about... Um, Michael Pilardi, our new punter, uh, taking over for Matt Hack. It's not Hawk. It's Matt Hack because he signed with the Buffalo Bills. So it's Matt Hack, ladies and gentlemen, citizens of Perfect Bill. Um, but I got to say, man, there ain't no party like a Michael Pilardi because a Michael Pilardi don't stop. Damn. We got ourselves a nice punter. Um, I'm okay with it. The only thing, Chris, that I'm worried about is the hold situation because there was a tangible, paramount um sort of chemistry between Matt hack and uh, our kicker. And uh, now that's not going to be there. So part of the responsibility of, of Polarity here is going to be that punter slash backup quarterback who throws a touchdown randomly once a year. Uh, but I'm assuming that Matt Polarity or uh, Michael Polarity can do uh, everything that Matt hack could do and more. Well, I hope so. We signed him and let hack go. Um, a lot of people said hack had a decent, career with the Miami Dolphins I thought that guy fucking sucked like there wasn't a time I watched a game where he wasn't just like fucking hitting it off the side of his foot for 10 yards to the opponent's sideline as a referee stops like what seemed like 40 yards shorter than when the ball went out of bounds um he had a weird name uh the the bills always sign our our cast off kickers uh Dan Bailey I'm looking at you buddy uh, Kid Rock. And then, um, you know, Hack now goes to Buffalo. And of course, he's in a coffin corner, punt the shit out of us uh, because that's the way it goes. But for us, uh, hopefully, this is an upgrade. And as a guy from Charlotte, North Carolina, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, he knows a lot about Mike Pilardi. I don't know fucking shit about this guy. <laughs> I didn't even know he's on the Carolina Panthers. All I know is he's left footed and everybody says his wife is hot. I have no idea. Hopefully, he's better than Hack, though, because uh, we always want to upgrade when we replace them, uh, our roster positions. Well, see, now you're talking my language, so he's got a hot wife, right? I'm going to take a look at that. That's but what they right. said on Twitter. I, I have no judgment, and it's not because my wife is within earshot staring at me down the hallway right now. I didn't see the, the photo. I have no idea. 
but you're right. He is a left-footed kicker, and th- those things are very annoying because we just had a left-footed. Kicker. I'm left-handed myself, but you know it's very odd. We have a left-handed throwing quarterback. We've got a left-handed kicker. It's just like okay, you know, we, we, do we have to change everything about football for the Miami Dolphins? Like I don't understand it, but uh, yeah, I don't My know. My grandpa don't... Pat would be excited. He is a lefty, and he he loved lefties and thought that they had the, this weird like union. So he, he, he's up in heaven right now, excited about his Miami Dolphins adding all these lefty lefty power. It's so weird. Every picture I'm seeing of his wife and she's, she's attractive, but uh, it's, it's him, his wife and his kids. So it's not like you can even like look at his wife and like ogle her because no. it's like some like snot nose. Like, ah. Yeah, seriously. And that wasn't me saying that. I, I haven't even seen the photo. I've seen tweets about it. So all these nerds are probably mad that we didn't like, you know, throw a hundred million dollars at Juju Smith Schuster talking about it, but uh, it, it's fine guys. Like he, he's a punter, I, I, but he, he's in the NFL. So she's punter hot. We'll call it that. She <laughs> he outkicked his coverage. We'll, we can use that term almost specifically now. Uh, she's fine. She's a very attractive girl. She's Matt punter hot. Yeah. That's great. Punter hot. You know, he coffin cornered. Um, and you're right. You, you absolutely know that Mac's going to come back four, four out of the five punts he's going to have against this next season. is going to be inside the five. If they even punt, I don't think the bills have punted against us in like three seasons. That's what I'm saying. We, we we're going to get five punts against them Four of the five are going to drop inside the five and the fifth one's actually going to be shanked, but then Jakeem Grant's going to fumble it and the Buffalo bills are going to recover it anyway. So it's not even going to matter. Um, you're hilarious. Like you really think Jakeem Grant's going to be on the roster. No, I don't. I actually just put on there because let's just talk about it now let's just jump right into the splashy splashy offensive uh, signing that the Miami Dolphins had today and that of course is Will Fuller yes that Will Fuller of Houston Texans fame uh, signed by the Miami Dolphins here one year right around 10 million dollars again more of a prove it deal Uh, speedster the guy can get open this is the type of receiver that we need in Miami we don't have this type of receiver currently until now Uh, Will Fuller joins Devontae Parker Preston Williams Albert Wilson Alan Hearns Jakeem Grant Mac Hollins Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, Robert Foster, and whoever else we're going to be drafting in the draft of the wide receiver. Um, but this guy's going to stick. Not all those guys are going to still be on the team uh, come, come the 2021 regular season. But Will Fuller will be there. Not week one, because he is coming off of a suspension, and he's got one game left to serve. Uh, but week two, look out, because we got Will Fuller for the Miami Dolphins. One of the, my favorite tweets of today were uh, from somebody with a check mark, so it's somebody important on Twitter. Um, said the Miami Dolphins realistically could have Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Mike Isecki, and Jamar Chase as their weapons next year for Tua Tonga Bailoa. I'm going to say this right now as what they call a Tua stan, somebody that like is a fan of Tua. If he doesn't have over 4,000 yards passing next year with those guys on the roster, he is not the guy. Like that is Mm. insane. Will Fuller. Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Gisecki, Jamar Chase, or Devontae Smith, or Waddle, either one. Holy fucking shit. I'm going to say it into the microphone. And then you can add Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Travis Etanine. Like the options are endless. So all these people that want to throw all these picks away for Deshaun Watson, just think about that roster you can build completely tangible, factual, possible. We're not even like reaching and that's possible. Why would you turn around and turn away that type of group of talent on rookie deals with the line we have in front of us and the defense we've already put out there to win 10 games. And despite 
of our offense multiple games. Sam, it's just the dream could be a reality in a month from now. And man, that would be sweet, sweet reality. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, one of the best things about the Will Fuller signing is now we have three wide receivers with the number 15 between Albert Wilson, who's coming back next season, Will Fuller, who is 15 with the Houston Texans. And I believe Lynn Bowden Jr., if I'm not mistaken, yeah. is also number 15. So here's what I tweeted out here, Chris. And I think uh, I think it's the right thing to do. We need to have all three of those guys line up and they're going to have a race and the winner gets to keep number 15. But you know, it's going to be a close race. So I don't want to leave number two out. So if you are the runner up, uh, you don't get to keep number 15, but you get to go tell Jakeem Grant that he's no longer on the team. I think that's a good consolation prize right there. I think that should be the competition right there. The three fifteens will go running. The one who wins gets to keep it. Number two gets to tell Jakeem Grant that he can go elsewhere. See, I'm a big uh, comic book and movie nerd. And all I thought about was when the Joker got fake captured and took over the, for the bounty and, and they, they killed one of the guy, or I'm sorry, they killed the guy. And then there's two guys left and he's like, Hey, look, we're uh, expanding, uh, but we only have room for one more. So we're going to have breaks of pull cue and says tryouts. <laughs> That's what we need to do with those three guys. A little bit of uh, Django Unchained too. Like they're just like, they throw them down. Like one of you are going to live. Uh, one of you is going to get 15, maybe like make it obviously more like team friendly. So we don't like lose a receiver. It is just a Jersey number. So maybe just give them like the sock them, bop them like inflatable gloves and, uh, maybe the American Gladiator thing where they have like the uh, the, the Q tips on top of the pillars and said some foam because I don't want to hurt Albert Wilson or Fuller or Lynn Bowden, but uh, or just cut two of them. <laughs> yeah, either way, yeah. you know, and if you cut two of them, make sure you cut Jakeem Grant at the same time. But, you know, I love the Will Fuller signing. I actually think um, scheme wise, this is exactly what we wanted. He's not a go. He's not a 50 50 guy. He's not going to go up and go, you know, fight for the ball the way Devontae Parker does or the way Preston Williams does. This is a guy that's going to run the nine route. He's going to get himself open and he's going to be a target for Tua Tungavailo to look through the middle of the field or on the sidelines and go, oh, there he is and throw the ball. And he's going to get, you know, he's going to have the ball and he's going to have some space to go get those yards after catch. I mean, you can watch the highlights. I don't need to I don't need to you know explain it any further than that. Uh, it is a one-year deal. He does have an injury history. He does have a you know PED history. So again, this is kind of a low risk, high reward uh, type of thing for the Miami Dolphins. This guy works hard. He went to Notre Dame. He's 27 years old. He's entering his physical prime. Uh, so if he can stay healthy, which isn't if for uh, Will Fuller, I think this could be just an awesome signing for the Miami Dolphins. And I think this is the potential for coming off of a good year. If he has a good year, the Miami Dolphins is going to have more money next season. And go, hey, Will, why don't you stay? Why don't you uh, sign for a couple more years? Well, and, it, and it's a perfect marriage because if you think about it, the guy's on a one-year deal, so he's going to want to play his ass off to earn a bigger contract after this. And then you have possibly Tua coming into his own. Again, that one-year to second-year jump, all of a sudden he lights it up or does much better and Will Fuller has this great chemistry with him. He's going to want to stay. And uh, just like you said, you're in Miami, you're in South Beach, it sells itself. There's no state taxes. All of a sudden, you're a team ascending with a young roster. Uh, Sam, I saw a tweet actually while you were speaking because I keep refreshing in case any news breaks. Um, But I did see an interesting tweet, and this is pretty cool. The Miami Dolphins are currently, as we stand, as I say this, so don't uh, call me out on social media if this releases tomorrow and it's different. But we are currently, as I say this, the only team in the NFL with every rostered player under the age of 30. That is, that is, is insane. 
Like somebody jokingly said that uh, Chris Greer has ageism. Like he just doesn't want any old men on his roster. He found out Kyle Van Noy is 29 and cut him before he got close to 30. Like it's going to burn him or something. But that is a young roster. That's something that a free agent or a guy on a one-year contract like a Kyle Fuller, I'm sorry, Will Fuller is going to be like, hey, I want to stick around because this team this year, next year, the year after, watch out. Uh, and Malcolm Brown said it, and I'll say it again, and it bears repeating from the Rams. He said this is a championship caliber team guys love what brian flores is doing out here i'm not kidding you see on social media this coach running on the field to defend his players against the Bengals, and guys in the nfl or free agents are like motherfucker i want to fucking play for that guy and, and that is a real real thing it yeah it really, it really is and i'm gonna since we're sharing tweets i'm gonna share another one this one actually comes from chris coat the dolphins wide receiver room just got fuller hey oh not too bad, but it is a pretty full room because we talked about it. And you actually mentioned the running back, which is where I wanted to go next there, Chris. But before hey, we do that, before you do that, before you do that, before you before you do that, I have to call you out. I, I, I interned on the Dan Lebetard show. And if anybody listens to Dan Lebetard, uh, if I don't step up and say something right now, his name is Chris Cote. I don't give a Greg, shit. Greg Cody. Chris Cody. That is Greg Cody's son from the Miami Herald. Say his name right, Sam. Put some respect on his name. I will not because it was a cheesy-ass name pun and only person on this show that's going to get credit for cheesy-ass name puns and have their name pronounced the correct way is Sam Marcoux, ladies and gentlemen. So Sounds Chris right, Coates, Sam Marcox. Yeah, so go outside and grab your coat, Chris, because <laughs> from here on out, I'm officially changing it as a founder, founding member of the Welcome to Perfectville, town of Perfectville City. Um all right, so uh, let's stay in the wide receiver room for just a minute here, Chris. I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on this guy, but uh, Robert Foster, he was signed as well. The one thing this guy has, well, two things he has going for him. Number one, he played with Tua at Alabama. Tua was a freshman. He was a, uh, or, yeah, he was a senior while Tua was a freshman. They had one year together. Has nothing but good things to say about Tua. Number two, this guy is fast, Chris. He's fast. And that's the thing that the Miami Dolphins were missing in the wide receiver room. We had a lot of quick guys. Albert Wilson is quick. Jakeem Grant is quick. Devon Dante Parker is not that. He's a guy that's going to go fight for the ball. Preston Williams can be fast, but again, often injured, big body guy. We don't have these guys that are fast that you can say, run real fast that in direction, and I'm going to throw the ball, and then you're going to catch it. Imagine Will Fuller. Imagine Will Fuller or Robert Foster instead of Jakeem Grant going down the middle of the field when Tua threw that ball last season. I have a feeling we're having a different conversation about how good Tua Tungavailoa was as opposed to what, it, what ended up on tape with Jakeem Grant dropping the ball. These are sure-handed guys. He gets 20 yards per catch, this Robert Foster guy does. That's insane. He runs down the fast real fast. He catches the ball, and then he turns around and runs a little bit more. 20 yards per catch. I mean, that is insane. Again, one year, I don't know. He's going to be a back-end player, probably special teams if he makes the team. Um, but uh, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. Even if we didn't get Will Fuller, I kind of liked the Robert Foster uh, move because of the speed. Yeah, I mean, you saying bolts fast doesn't mean he's a good receiver. Uh, I'm definitely not on the same wavelength as you. Uh, it's, I think it's bad if he played four years at Alabama and no one knows who you are. Um, so <laughs> he, he was he was a signing. All right, moving on uh, to another <laughs> signing, uh, another area of need, the running back room. We talked about this, Chris. Well, first of all, I just like to point out because we're going to talk about the quarterback room, too. Uh, you and I have gone through this and we've been talking about how to fix the offensive line, how to fix the tight end room. How to, we've just been visiting all the different rooms and laying out our plan is what we think the Miami Dolphins should be doing. And I'm going to toot our little horn here because uh, not only have we been pretty spot on about how they're going about rebuilding these rooms, um, we've identified the needs and how to fill those holes. In some cases, Chris, 
we've identified the actual players that should have been signed and were signed. So kudos to you. Kudos to me. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we move over to the quarterback room. Spoiler alert. But one of the things we talked about with the wide receiver room is we do need some veteran wide receivers. Will Fuller is that guy. Again, it doesn't preclude us, just like the offensive line, of spending high draft capital on more receivers. You talked about having Jamar Chase. What about Kyle Pitts? Mike Kosicki, Kyle Pitts, 12 formation, you know, 12 personnel. And then on the outside, you've got Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, and Preston Williams. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm more than okay with that for Tua Tungavailoa to drop back and uh, pick up the ball that was snapped over his head and then turn around and throw it to one of those guys. I think that's going to be awesome if that turns out. So this is why these, these, this free agency period is so great because it gives us the ability in the draft to all of a sudden start putting these pieces together and, and form the picture. I love it. So uh, Malcolm Brown, you talked about it. I actually did not hear that quote yet. So I'm, uh, I'm curious about that, but Malcolm Brown, uh, formerly with the Los Angeles Rams, I think he had a, a yards per carry average of 4.4 or 4.2 yep. last season. Uh, running back by committee, this is by no means the big splashy signing of like an Aaron Jones or anything like that. But he comes to this team and he has completely different running style than what's currently on the roster with Subban Ahmed and Miles Gaskin. What do you know about Malcolm Brown? I think Malcolm Brown is a good signing. I think he's a younger, better Jordan Howard. He is a power back. He'll put his shoulder down and run you over. Uh, he did say in that pre- same press conference, Sam, um, that he remembers playing against the Miami Dolphins defense, and they're crazy. They're elite. They're all over the place. They're hard to play against. Um, last year, as we know, we just made Jared Goff look expendable to the Lions pretty much. Um, but, yeah, Malcolm Brown comes in. He compliments Gaskin and Ahmed. We talked about um, when we did a running back episode that there might not be a lot of holdovers as far as Laird goes and maybe even Ahmed goes. Um, but this guy is good. I mean, he's not, he's like you said, he's not Aaron Jones. We're not talking Aaron Jones or even like, I don't think this takes us out of the uh, 18th pick taking Najee Harris or Travis Etienne or even Javante Williams in the second round. Uh, but what it does is add talent and add somebody on a goal line, short yardage situation that can also play first and second down. Uh, that, that can do some things for us. He caught some screens. He had a couple of uh, multi-touchdown games, and it, it's a good signing. I, I, I think it's low money. Um, a, a lot. It has a lot uh, of consistency. What we, you were talking about earlier, Sam, there is low risk and high reward in a lot of these guys, and he's one of them. Malcolm Brown, welcome to the team. He said everything correctly at the press conference, and he played on one team his entire career, and that's for the Rams, so he gets a little taste of something new, and I think he's going to be motivated and play hard. Yeah, I mean, I really do think that this is a guy that uh, he's not going to be your number one back. He may not even be officially your number two back, but he's in here for a certain thing. Now, the funny thing is he's like, I don't know what my role is going to be, which seemed a little odd to me, Chris. Like he just signed here not knowing what he's going to be, but maybe that's how they do it. I don't know. Maybe he looked at it and said, hey, I get, I'm getting two years. I remember playing these guys. Uh, you know, they were hard to beat. I want to join them. I love the coaching staff. I love to uh, let's do it. But he comes up with a different running style. One of the things that we did not have a lot of last year were rushing touchdowns. And we identified on this show, Chris, that we needed somebody that you can give, turn around and give the ball on the two-yard line on second and two or second and goal. 
and know that you're going to get in there. And Malcolm Brown is that kind of guy that we're going to go, that's our guy. That's the guy we're going to turn around and give the ball to. And he's going to bulldoze in behind those maulers that we talked about earlier in this episode and get that touchdown. So I love the pick. I think he serves a purpose. Uh, he's kind of like a specialty, uh, you know, like a three and D guy in basketball, right? This is his skill set, and this is how we're going to use him. Um, he's our power back. He's the guy that he's going to line up, you know, possibly behind like, uh, you know, one of those tight ends that we were talking about or one of our newer guys that we're just going to talk about here in just a second uh, and, and just pound the rock in. And you can use them as, you know, to spell the other guys if they're getting tired. I love it. And again, it, it does not trap us or stop us or preclude us from getting an, another rookie running back and adding it to that room as well. So again, a lot of versatility, a lot of options for the Miami Dolphins coming out of free agency. Uh, this guy fits the bill. Yep. And, and again, it just goes to back to what I was saying before. We're adding guys that were in depth. And if you can upgrade your roster and churn it at the bottom or in the middle, that's what you want to do. All right. We're going to talk about one more guy. We're going to take a little break. We're going to take a little break, a little horse. And we got to, uh, we got to do the old commercial thing. And then we're going to jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Cause we've spent a lot of time on the offense this off season, as well as in free agency, as you could tell, but this is where the horn gets tooted again here, Chris, because the Miami dolphins have, Made a change at the quarterback position, as everyone knows. Tua Tungavailoa is our starting quarterback, just like we said. And then we talked about in the quarterback's room there, Chris, that possibly, possibly, if Ryan Fitzpatrick was not going to come back, that we would need to get a new backup, probably a veteran, and not just the same old veteran churn that we see with the Chase Daniels and those types of guys. So as it turns out, Ryan Fitzpatrick at 38 years old did not retire. There were reports that he was going to retire. Turns out that those were false. He signs a nice contract with the Washington football team to be their starting quarterback came out. In fact, and said, this is the most he has ever been pursued in free agency in his entire career. So everybody saw what he did with the Miami dolphins. Everybody saw what he did as he shepherded to a tongue of Iloa into the starting position, saw the leader that he is and said, you know what? We want that guy. There was a lot of teams that came knocking on his door, but ultimately uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick brought his bag of magic to the Washington football team. I think we all wish him well. We thank you for the two years that you were here. He's moving on to his ninth team, uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick has now moved on. But since that happened, just like we thought and assumed was going to happen, we needed to get a new backup for Tua Tungavailoa. And you and I both identified this guy by name, Chris. He was one of two guys that I liked. One was Terod Taylor, uh, and the other was Jacoby Brissett. Uh, former quarterback for the New England Patriots and Indianapolis Colts. Again, 28 years old, if I'm not mistaken, wants to play here. Said he came here because he wants to play football. He he likes Coach Flores. He's from the area. You know, his mom even said this is awesome that he's going to be playing here, you know, every week now. And he knows his role. He is a team player. He said it in his press conference today. The number one thing about me is I am a team player. Now, if that doesn't tell you, hey, look, if you want me to be the backup, I'll be the backup. If you want me to start, I'll start. I'll do whatever it is the team needs me to do so that we can be successful. That's the kind of guy you need in the room, right? So now you have Jacoby Brissett as the backup quarterback for Tua Tungavailoa. We have a guy, if Tua, for whatever reason, needs to sit down, that I trust to come in and spot start or take over if something happens and he needs to take over. I love the Jacoby Brissett backup quarterback signing. Yeah, when you lose a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick and you need to replace him, um, <laughs> I'm so glad we did not go the generic white backup route, Sam. <laughs> like we went and, and not saying we had to go get like a Mexican guy or a black guy. I, you know what I mean? The Chase Daniels, the Colt McCoy, the Josh McCown. They just why are they still in the league, guys? Jacoby Brissett, one, two cool things about him I'm going to mention right now. and I love it. 
one played at Dwyer high school. That is in Palm beach gardens, Florida. Literally I played that school in high school. Awesome. So that is so cool that he's a South Florida guy uh, originally started at Florida, I think, and got beat out by Jeff Driscoll, if I'm not mistaken, as far as playing time. And I think he went to NC state um, after that he transferred um, the second coolest thing, Sam, we just signed the Christian Wilkins at backup quarterback Colts fans were telling me and saying on Twitter and on Reddit, that this guy was on the field celebrating every touchdown and every turnover. This guy is the ultimate team player. The Indianapolis Colts, as you were speaking, Sam, tweeted out a thank you and a goodbye to Jacoby Brissett. He was their backup. Like he literally is their backup quarterback. And they just, they took out a fucking front page ad on Twitter to thank this guy for his service and being a great teammate, great team player, great locker room presence. Who the hell does not want Jacoby Brissett on their football team? I don't care what he's doing. If he's a third-string quarterback or if he's a fourth-string punter behind Polarity, this guy is welcomed, needed, and he's going to do the perfect balance that you need from backup quarterback to not push your starter if he makes a mistake or two. But like you said, you can count on him if you need him. Yeah, I uh... – I was just thinking about because I saw a tweet from Albert Breer who was talking, he was complaining about these tributes that these teams are giving backup quarterbacks these days. He's like, why is every team giving tributes to like their backup, like marginal players, like they're all Peyton Manning all of a sudden? And then he just talked about the Colts releasing that for Jacoby Brissett. And it just kind of made me laugh because you're right. Like, I don't know that Jacoby Brissett necessarily needs that yeah, send off, but it but is. I, nice. I don't think everyone's getting that. And that's the thing that we just got with Jacoby Brissett is what he meant to that team, what he meant to the roster. When you're talking about Colts fans, where he didn't really even do much for him and it was like okay dang he left um he, he, he still missed and they're gonna miss him is because they saw that energy and what that brings to the sideline and to the locker room and when you get the backup quarterback in a hat holding a clipboard sprinting out to celebrate an interception or a fumble like that's just the ultimate team player and somebody you want to root for um and, and if he ever does get his opportunity hopefully not because that means Tua got hurt most likely um but he's there if you need him and he's breaking case of emergency but what he brings instead of just standing there sitting on the sideline waiting for the starter to come and look at uh, pictures of what they saw in the defensive breakdown he's he's celebrating and, and doing great things just don't jump on Preston Williams back and hurt his hurt his name and his ankle yeah and I'm also thinking about uh, fantasy football wise is there anything there with Jacoby Brissett that I could actually use for a fantasy football team because I got one for a punter I think block Pilardi would be a pretty good uh, fantasy football name mm. that's running deep when your punter is your fantasy football name um, okay well it's time for us to take a break here and we're going to come back and talk about what we did on the defensive side of the ball because there's some sneaky good moves on the defensive side of the ball here Chris and uh, then we'll get out of here because we got to go back to looking at who else the Miami Dolphins may possibly sign and then shift our focus to the draft. Well, we'll be before back. we go to break, Sam, oh. this is why we do what we do and why we're good at what we do and why I am a doctor. I already had that fantasy name. Mm. Jacoby's knees. And take that to commercial. We should have taken a break. All right. Well, we'll take a break. We'll fix everything that was wrong with that name with the doctor that's why they call it practice when you're a doctor and uh, we'll be back right after these words this episode of welcome to perfectville is brought to you in part by patch vibes go to patchvibes.com today and upon checkout type in the promo code perfect 
and get 20% off of your purchase. That's right. Anything and everything in the Patch Vibe store is now 20% off when you type in the promo code PERFECT at checkout. That's right. Go to patchvibes.com and type in the promo code PERFECT upon checkout and get 20% off of all of your purchases today. And we're back. And uh, Chris, you come up with any other new names during the commercial break that uh, that everyone should know about? Or maybe we should let the citizens of Perfect Belt name your team because I feel yeah. like that was... Considering the way you ended that first segment, um, I'm not going to subject myself to your shenanigans, so you can move on, sir. I will move on because that first segment was like an hour. So uh, we're going to have a two-segment show, not a three-segment show this time. And uh, we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball here, Chris. Although I should say, before we move on, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to uh, our new tight end slash fullback slash special teams ace, because uh, I did not talk about him when we were talking about the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about Keithan Carter um, from the Cincinnati Bengals signed a three-year contract. I think he's the only guy who got three years out of all the free agents that we signed here, Chris. And, uh, you know, it was funny because we did the tight ends room on our last episode and we talked about how we weren't going to have any focus in free agency on tight ends. And once you know, it, like the first guy we signed is an actual fucking tight end. So shows how much we know as much as we get credit for Jacoby Brissett, we whiffed on the Keith and Carter thing. But again, he is on the back end of the roster. He's there to, uh, to, to be that jumbo package, you know, line up in the, uh, on the line and then move over into the fullback position and then hit somebody real fast and real hard with his face mask so that one of our running backs can hopefully run past him and then into daylight. So uh, what are your thoughts on Keith and Carter being uh, a Miami Dolphin for the next three years? I think him and Foster are going to be the only two on the team that have tape on their helmet with their name on it because no one's going to know who they are. Um, watching his highlights was interesting. He's listed as like a fullback slash tight end, but he looks exactly like Matt Collins. Like he's like a, he's like a receiver. So uh, we're, and we're in the 80s was his number. So I, I don't know how Cincinnati positioned him. He had a couple of good catches. Um, okay. I guess Isaiah Ford's like replacement or something. I Again, he was another signing. Yeah, it will be great if they were just like, we're not sure if you're going to make the team. So, in fact, if you could just wear your Bengals helmet from last year to practice because we don't want to focus and, you know, spend the money. It's like those shitty it. all-star games where everybody wears their helmet in Little League and, like, it doesn't match the, uh, like, light pink jersey. Uh, it'd be great if he was in, like, Aquamarine and fucking Coral and all of a sudden he's got this black and orange tiger striped helmet. It's like, what's up with that guy? Like, oh, we're not sure yet. We're not sure. Yeah, we no one knows. All right. Well, what we do know is that the Miami Dolphins were active, not only on the offensive side of the ball, like we talked about, but the defensive side of the ball. Uh, a couple of guys here that we do need to talk about. Adam Butler, defensive tackle, formerly with the New England Patriots, now with the Miami Dolphins. This is a guy for a 3-4 defense that you can line up on the nose. And not only that, Chris, this guy actually gets good pressure as well. He can stuff the lane. He can let your linebackers, who we have new ones on, uh, run around. I love, uh, this is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite signing here of day one, of uh, Adam Butler to the Miami Dolphins. Like a lot of our episodes, Sam, we're in complete agreement. I love this signing. He is a better, cheaper filler that Godchow left. Like literally, he is going to play behind Raekwon Davis and Wilkins, and he's going to be a guy that comes in fresh, and he's going to pressure the goddamn quarterback. Some of the highlights I watched of him was just unbelievable. Even against like double teams, he is just getting back there. Patriot fans are furious he's gone, hate that he went to a division rival, and I can just soak that shit up because I love that he's on our team. 
Yeah, and you look at that rotation on the defensive line now, especially Monsters. on the interior line. I mean, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, who was an underrated rookie, by the way. Raekwon Davis is Mount Davis in there. And then you also now have uh, – you're adding Hunter to the mix. I mean, those three alone are just fantastic. And let's not forget, you know, Zach Sealer as well, as well, who came on, as we like to call him, Random White 92. Um, <laughs> those four guys on the interior there. That's the best damn nickname in history. It really I is. It's it. a fantastic one. And I hope he, he listens to the show because Random White 92, that is – and I mean that sincerely. Like I don't, I didn't like mean that offensively. Like I just, did, you came out of nowhere, bro. Like and you kicked ass. So, random white. Now I know your name, but random white is is your name for for Perfectville. <laughs> I know your name, but random white is your name. Like if you uh, lived but- in Perfectville, what you do? Like Sealer's not on the mailbox. RW is a random white. Like and that's your license plate. Like that's. Yeah. You buy in, my friend. Uh, you earned that nickname. It's awesome. Yeah, look, th- there's a brand there, and you can sell random white jerseys, 92, and jerseys and hoodies and everything else. I I, just, I think you can. But Zach Sealer, uh, 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 Hunter, and then you, now you've got you know Wilkins and you've got Raquan Davis. Those four in the middle as your defensive tackle rookie uh, uh, rotation, I, I think we're set. I don't think we go anywhere. I mean, if there's good value in the draft, great. But I don't think you need anybody else. Those are your four going into the season. And you you mark it in pen and say, we're going to go to war with these guys on the interior line. Yeah, and what they're doing, Miami, and this is why I don't get the hate on Twitter. And even myself, I'll admit it, uh, was kind of um, uh, vocal in uh, th- that they weren't making the splash signings. But if you actually sit down and look at who we've signed and who we brought in and what that does for us setting up the draft, Sam, we don't have to be desperate with our picks. We can kind of sit back with all these draft picks and just take bang, 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 the best player available. We can take Pitts at three. We can take Najee Harris at 18 or, or Rousseau from, from, from Miami or, or Phillips from Miami. Or in the second, third round, you can take uh, someone like Chad Surratt from North Carolina that's just a fly around linebacker that can do everything for you and even play some safety there's so many things we're setting up to where we're not going in the draft and we're like oh my god i really hope x position falls to us at 18 because we need to fill that position we have depth to where we can say hey let's just add talent baby and when you have that opportunity with the amount of draft picks we have holy shit sam this is like a whole different fucking team you're talking about going into 2021 love what they're doing no, I really do. And look, I, on the defensive side of the ball, it was weird to me to see Kyle Van Oy go. It was weird to kind of see Shaq Lawson go because that's where I want to go next is talk about those moves. But um, when you lead, when you see talent like that go, you start to go, oh, no, our defense is going to start to you know right. go backwards. But then you look and go, well, you know what? Kyle Van Oy was let go because Andrew Van Ginkle basically outplayed him. And then, oh, by the way, uh, Shaq Lawson, he was traded for another linebacker, which is going to help us where Kyle Van Oy was vacated, a younger version of him. Uh, Bernardrick McKinney is coming over to the Miami Dolphins. This dude, I mean, you talk about getting pressure because that's the one thing that we were lacking uh, consistently last season, other than Emmanuel Ogba on the defensive end side, was quarterback pressure. Bernardrick McKinney is one of the best blitzing linebackers in the league. He can stuff the run. This is a guy that attacks the line and attacks people behind the line. Is he the guy that you want covering the tight ends and the running backs and the slot receivers? No. That's what we got Baker for. That's what you have Baker for. Exactly right. But this guy, he's a middle linebacker. He's going to call out the positions. He's a leader on defense, and he can blitz like nobody's business, Chris. And when you start thinking about that amoeba defense that the Miami Dolphins play, where you have everybody on the line just standing there, there's seven of them, there's eight of them, you're not sure who's coming and who's going, guaranteed he's most likely going. But – 
you still have to block them and you still don't know who's going right next to him, if anybody, right? So you don't know if you've got two guys that need to go to the left and, and block him or if you've got one guy or what. And that kind of havoc, when we can unleash that and have the right guy on, you know, in the right position allows people like Emmanuel Ogba to continue to be successful. But now you've got McKinney there as well. Oh my gosh, I can just smell, smell the success that Brian Flores is is picturing having with Bernardrick McKinney in the middle of the uh, uh, Miami Dolphins defense next season. I love McKinney as a middle linebacker myself watching his highlights. I literally, you made a face just about 10 seconds ago where you went, Oh, like just literally that's my, that was my face and feeling when I watched his highlights, bro, this guy fills downhill like a goddamn freight train and he will get through blocks. He will make plays. He's literally a much better Raekwon McMillan. So there's that replacement too. Can I also real quick and no hate, meant like at all but like van noy wasn't that good for us like i mean he he was okay like he was good like he didn't was he worth four years and however million dollars he was getting he's gonna kill us now obviously when he plays us obviously um but this guy's gonna come in he's gonna love playing for flores and here's the best part sam and i love this and this is a position we have not been in in a very long time i felt like the miami dolphins would always get talent and then right before we can add to that talent and build around it and complement it they leave in free agency, trades, cuts, what have you, and then boom, we're back here. You take someone like we just mentioned, Jerome Baker, that is fantastic at covering tight ends and things like that. Don't put another Baker next to him. Compliment him. Put McKinney next to him that can fill downhill. What's Baker can do? He's a great linebacker, but he can fill downhill. He's a great blitzer. All of a sudden, now you have to you have to account for both of these guys. And instead of losing one and replacing it with another, we're adding next to it. We're getting stronger. Our defense was already good. And now you lose Shaq Lawson. If you actually look at the numbers, McKinney has not far behind as far as sacks goes when it comes to Shaq Lawson. And Shaq Lawson is a pass rusher. Like that's like literally his job. So if we utilize McKinney correctly with this defense and add the guys we've added and more to come in the draft and possibly free agency as well, Sam. We're finally doing something that the good teams get to do, and that's just to get better. Like when you already had like a good player like, um, um, gosh, Bud Dupree, and then you can add T.J. Watt. Like instead of just like saying we lost Bud Dupree and, and got T.J. Watt, which they just did, but for a couple of years they got to add those guys together, and we're finally able to do that. That's what I'm looking forward to, and with all the draft capital to come, Man, Sam, I'm seriously telling you, like the 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 optimism should be there for Miami Dolphins fans, and and I know we've said that before, and we've been biased, but this is literally the first time, realistically, that this is a really good thing coming up ahead of us. Yeah, I mean Andrew Van Ginkle, Jerome Baker, Bernardrick McKinney. I mean, you're talking about three linebackers right now that you know uh, you should be penciling in or penning in as the starting linebackers for the Miami Dolphins in a three-four defense, and they're good. It's not even like, oh yeah, they're passable. They're good. And then you get people like Vince Beagle, who, um, as you had said for a couple others, is a signing. Um, he, he was a guy that the teammates seemed to like a couple of years ago. We praised him. And then, you know, he tore his Achilles by, you know, he shook his head too much like Jack Nicholson and tore his Achilles or whatever he did last season. Um, <laughs> but he's back. So that's good. Good, good on you, Vince Spiegel. We, we appreciate you. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say much on that guy. I've already made fun. You said enough so on mad. Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I'm so mad. I didn't mean any offense by it. We were thirsty for a big signing, but they, you know, we got we got Pilardi and Beagle, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, moving on. Justin Coleman, uh, actually a, a Nickelback, um, not the band, but 
the position was signed for the Miami Dolphins as well. And as we know, Brian Flores and Chris Greer love them some defensive backs. I mean, there's <laughs> the defensive back room has got to be, you know, more crowded than, you know, the guys lined up for a Jenna Jameson party at this point. I mean, there's just so many of them and they're all just like nickelback safety combinations. Justin Coleman, no different. I mean, I, he, he's going to be on the team. He's going to be a nickel or dime back at back there. He's going to walk in the locker room and him, Bobby McCain, Nick Needham uh, are all going to look at each other and do the Spider-Man meme where they just point at each other. Like they're literally all the same player. And then just again, tryouts, like someone's going to make the team. Someone's not like, it's just, they're literally all the same player. And I think they're just turning over that rock constantly just to find the best one. Yeah, and whatever out of those tryouts that we talked about on the defensive side, whoever loses gets to tell Jakeem Grant that he's cut. <laughs> it's just a chorus of players. Hey, Jakeem, you're cut. <laughs> It'll be like the exact opposite of Rudy. You know how in that scene in Rudy where all the they guys all put their jerseys, put their jerseys, on jerseys the down unless he makes the team? All these guys are going to walk in, and it's going to be it's going to be Jakeem Grant standing with his little legs, you know, just kind of off the side of the desk, and they're all going to be like, "Sorry, Jakeem, you're cut. Sorry, Jakeem, you're cut." It's they all just come in and constantly team. ask. For, they each ask for a, 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 a individual page of his playbook until the entire playbook's empty. Because normally they ask for the whole playbook, but for when it yeah. comes to Jakeem Grant, you have to really milk this thing and well, take each page individually from each player. Yeah, and then they'll all tell him he's cut, and then the last guy will be Tua Tungavailoa, who'll actually cut him for uh, dropping that pass, <laughs> and then that'll be the end of Jakeem Samurai Grant, sword, right? bitch. <laughs> oh, we can't listen to this. Yeah, if he listens, we're. You might, I mean, you might find us. If we see anybody walking on stilts or with some phone books, we know that he's trying to spit in our face. St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. That little leprechaun is nowhere near us anymore. He's he's moving on to his pot of gold in Ireland. Uh, Jeff Ireland. He lives at Jeff Ireland's house. Okay. Uh, and I think that's about it, right? I mean, I think we, we touched on all the free agents that have signed for the Miami Dolphins. We didn't talk about everybody who'd left the Miami Dolphins because fuck them. We talked about the ones that we wanted to talk about. Uh, but when you look at this, Chris, again, you know, this is a long episode because the Miami Dolphins have done a lot in free agency and right. the new year. And everyone's saying they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. But I think with the addition of Will Fuller here today, and you look at this as a whole, we're talking 12 new players. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot of new players on a budget. With so many draft picks to come. And so many draft picks to come. So the Miami Dolphins have done a ton of work to churn not only the back end of the roster, but the front end of the roster. They've given themselves a lot of different avenues and roads to go down for the draft. They're not locking themselves into a wide receiver or a running back or a linebacker. We can go in just about any direction here in the draft, and I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, they get themselves a backup quarterback to complement Tua Tungabailoa. They get themselves a brutal, brutal running back to go with the uh, smaller guys that we already have here in the locker room. We get ourselves a speedster in Will Fuller, who when he's not you know, being suspended or injured, can get himself open and give Tua Tungavailoa another target. Uh, and we get ourselves some offensive line help as well as some solid depth on the defensive line, a great starter and a trade on the linebackers and Justin Coleman, who um, is here. So um, I'm happy with it. All in all, what do you give the Miami Dolphins in terms of free agency here, the first week of free agency in terms of a grade? Um, as far as a grade, contextually, when it comes to like our roster already, I'm going to say a B. Like there's no – yeah, there was no uh, splash signing. We didn't go out and get Galladay or Juju Smith-Schuster yet, uh, which both are still available. So like I never say never. And there's only one position we need to really fill still, and that's edge rusher, which is pretty rich um, in the draft early. Um, 
but that's okay. You can also, there's still guys out there. And I really, I'm going to say it right now, Sam, hopefully this doesn't happen before we release this recording, but I could really see us pinching some pennies. Everybody's saying for Watson, I can see us that we've wanted this guy for years now. I can totally see us adding Jadavian Clowney before the month or two is up, uh, according to Tom Pelissero and um, Ian Rappaport on NFL Network. He is going to be fully cleared for football activity in early April, late March. Um, now, has he been productive? Is he just a big name? Maybe. Uh, some people would argue that yes, but if you add him to what Brian Flores does, how he moves guys around, um, and with the talent already around him, with the Ogba and with uh, McKinney and with Baker, uh, and then our you know, our corners with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, would you love uh, uh, Clowney to be able to have a one-on-one blocking and to pin his ear back, ears back? Maybe I'll have success and maybe we're saving money for that guy. That's all I'm going to say, but that's the only position of need we still have, Sam, with tons of draft uh, capital to come. Well, you know, I could see us going with somebody like Clowney. I mean, we do need another edge rusher, rusher and he's 28 years old, so he does fit in with the ageism uh, that uh, Chris Greer clearly has, as we have nobody over the age of 30 or 30 uh, on the roster right now. I mean, I think the only other guy that's out there would be somebody like a Justin Houston, who uh, I don't even know how old Justin Houston is. He may not fit in with the Miami Dolphins, but 32 years old. I just looked it up. So he's out. It's got to be JV and Clowney. Or we're God, going you looked that up quick. Jesus. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm good at my job here, Chris. You can tell by the blue light sub-zero thing going on in my eyeball <laughs> right now. Your computer is a blue screen of death. Like, I hope not, because this recording is completely kaput. Oh, are we supposed to be recording? Oh. I thought we were just hanging out. Uh, anyway, we've hung out plenty enough. Thank you all, citizens of Perfectville. Big things coming for the town of Perfectville. Big things coming for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, stay tuned. we got all kinds of fun things going on. In the meanwhile, chat with us on Twitter. Chat with us on Reddit. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to say on this very, very, very special episode? Welcome to Perfect Go. No, sir. I think we've said it all. <laughs> and then some. Well, on behalf of myself, and Christopher Colon, and the entire town of Perfectville, the only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Vanilla Ice. Oh, he's Madonna. <laughs> That's who he is. Yeah, they moved before I could do that. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, you keep that up, the Miami Dolphins are going to sign you to a one-year contract. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. I'll rush the basher. I'll try. I'll try. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.